Digital media and tech in Dubai is back with episode four. Our brand new podcast focuses on bringing listeners topical segments and informative conversations with local experts, exploring the latest news and developments in the digital media and tech scene in the burgeoning international city that is Dubai. I'm your host, Spencer Stryker, professor of digital media at the American University in Dubai. Episodes are recorded on location at AUD in the heart of Dubai's media city. Special guest for episode four, live streaming Mobile Dubai, is Cheryl King. She is the general manager for Marketeers 4DC, a company that defines the vanguard of live broadcast for mobile in Dubai and the MENA region. Cheryl spearheaded the Dubai Office of Marketeers and soon after her arrival oversaw the first ever live interactive web TV stream in the Middle East region. Topics discussed in episode four include the logistics of live streaming content to mobile in Dubai, both the opportunities and potential pitfalls. We delve into the hottest trends in Dubai live streaming, including the recent live broadcast of the Expo 2020 logo unveiling. We discuss Marketeer's work with NATS, their thought leadership piece on the world in 2050, and their digital promo strategy around that launch. Cheryl breaks down her list of best resources to stay up to date on the latest in Dubai. We explore the cutting edge of live sports broadcasting in the city, including the recent live stream of the Masters Champions League, a unique new 1020 cricket tournament for retired players created by GM Sports. We hope you enjoy episode four of Digital Media and Tech in Dubai, live streaming mobile Dubai. To begin with, Cheryl, why don't we? Why don't you tell me how you came to Dubai? So me coming to Dubai was um, a series of coincidences, I think. Um, I was working for a broadcast agency uh, in London for five years, which was my marketers for DC, so a bigger international broadcast company. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked with them for a number of years, um, and then. Whilst I was, uh, I'd moved actually to a different PR agency uh, after that called Lewis PR. And mm-hmm. whilst I was over at Lewis, um, I'd been over to Dubai a few times. A few of my friends uh, sort of lived there. And I kind of thought that it was, I thought it was an exciting place to, to be. And I loved the lifestyle. And I think from a work point of view, I could see they were doing lots of exciting things. There was a the my, hashtag My Dubai initiative that I saw, which I thought was interesting. Um, I think I was looking for my next move and my, um, my CEO of Marketeers um, actually approached me uh, on LinkedIn and mentioned that uh, he was looking to open up an office for uh, okay. Marketeers out here uh, in the region. So the first time they branched into the Middle East uh, and they were looking for someone to come on board and uh, help run that uh, operation. Very so, cool. Yeah, so you got, to sp- you got to, in essence, spearhead the initiative here in Dubai? Yeah, exactly. So I moved oh. over in October 2014 and, yeah, so I helped set up the office and now here we are almost two years later. That's very cool. And um, and so you, but you're from England. Yeah, from England. Obviously, from yeah, your accent. So you can tell from the accent, yeah. <laughs> and, but you're not, but not from London. Uh, no, I'm originally from Birmingham, so I started off my career, I guess, in, in PR from 
uh, working at a PR agency there and then made the move down to London. Mm-hmm. I kind of thought if you're going to sort of really uh, do well in, in PR and in, in the comms industry, London is where you sort of need to be. to be mm. sort of Right. Place That's kind of, I guess, where everyone sort of goes, kind of like New York and in, in, in United States. Yeah, and where did you do your, um, you did your undergraduate at Cardiff University? Yeah, that's right. So I um, studied English literature in Wales, which is uh, always an interesting one. But, um, but yeah, I loved uh, working at Cardiff and it was a, a great sort of three years to um, sort of be amongst uh, all, all the kind of different undergraduates. And I did an English literature degree, so probably influenced my decision to kind of go down the sort of PR route because mm-hmm. I loved the kind of writing side. Okay. Uh, and after, and whilst I was at Cardiff, I did a different, a few different sort of placements and working on the, the sort of student newspaper there and then mm-hmm. doing a bit of work experience in advertising companies and then going to a radio station, um, Capital FM uh, in Birmingham as well on a few placements and I kind of got a different feel for different areas of the media and um, mm. it was sort of at uh, the placement at the radio station where I got quite interested in broadcast I see. Uh, and that sort of led me eventually to go down to London and work for marketers. Well, that's relevant for our students because uh, they're going to want to know how they can break into and get a cool job in industry. Mm. And uh, so your your path through an English literature degree at Cardiff University is particularly interesting. Mm. And you did a series of kind of internships and then sort of from there mm. moved into broadcast. Yeah, exactly. And I think it was, I was always quite keen to just try out because I think it's very much theory based in the classroom when you're writing sort of essays right. for English literature. So it's about getting that kind of that sort of knowledge and I guess experience and on the job training as well and uh, working for the radio station was excellent because I sort of saw how interviews were put together right. I saw how interviews uh, sort of took place in the edit suite but then also from a marketing perspective mm-hmm. I could see how the sponsorship works and mm-hmm. how uh, sort of the commercial aspect of the radio station worked as well so yeah it's an interesting so you got you got hooked on it in other words yeah definitely <laughs> definitely like made me interested in everything about radio and I think from there um, yeah, I was keen to kind of explore a bit further, but more on the kind of, I guess, commercial side rather than working straight forward for the, the radio station itself. But yeah, it's a really good time and very, uh, very interesting. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about Marketeers, which is uh, the company that you kind of spearheaded the, the Dubai office. And your specialty for the company is basically doing kind of live broadcast. And uh, with regard to that, with, I mean, specifically live broadcast for mobile, correct? Yeah, exactly. I mean, Marketeers came out to the region. Um, mm-hmm. We have a big kind of live streaming proposition from the UK. And I think one of our motivations for coming across to uh, the MENA region was, was really to sort of look to see how we can embrace the, the live streaming angle. And um, we were getting a lot of briefs when we were in London for clients looking for us to service the region. So mm-hmm. whilst we were doing that remotely before, um, because we were getting so much volume in terms of the, the workload, we thought it necessitated a, an office over here. Um, and actually that's one of our, our big sort of unique selling points, I guess, which is live streaming. Right. Um, it's becoming a lot more popular out, out here now. And what we do is we can live stream straight to mobile, uh, straight to social channels, so through LinkedIn, uh, through Twitter, through Facebook, then also through traditional media portals as well. 
So we were lucky enough to be behind the, the first stream to the region uh, a few years ago um, where we streamed straight to Communicate magazine, mm-hmm. um, which was great because it was a live and an interactive broadcast. So people were submitting their questions, uh, they're sending them across to our moderators, and it was all streamed through uh, the media portal itself. And what was that content? So that was the first live stream in the region, and what was the content of that? The content was all around, it, the, it was called the Great Talent Debate. So okay. it was looking at big issues uh, around uh, the recruitment of talent for the, the marketing uh, sort of jobs and professions, which is quite hmm. an interesting one to, to have a look at. And it was looking at how we can entice uh, talent to come across to, to work in Dubai and the region. Uh, and then we also actually had um, lots of media professionals on the panel, which included uh, members from uh, JWT, uh, Impact BBTO, uh, and also uh, from H&K as well. So it was an interactive sort of discussion. It was all streamed through the magazine. And we also had lots of people sending their questions in about their top tips for getting hired over here. And it was quite a, a different way to communicate something. So what are some of the challenges? I mean, from a technical perspective, live streaming to mobile is kind of the cutting edge, isn't it? So what are some of the sort of challenges you run into doing that, technically or otherwise? So in terms of live streaming, I mean, we always, I mean, it, there's always a bit of hand-holding, I think, uh, as well. I mean, if we're streaming to, um, to mobile, we first of all need to make sure that the venue that we're streaming from has... You know, it has the robust sort of internet levels right. and has a dedicated broadband line. Because you can been, otherwise have a disaster. Exactly. I mean, we've been lucky. Well, we've been streaming for about 16 years now. So lucky enough, we've not had a stream fall down just yet. So right. touch wood. But the reason <laughs> we, we don't, I think, is because we've invested so much technology into making sure all the lines work. We hmm. always do a recce in advance. So I think logistically, the, the challenge is around um, internet speed. But, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's always we always bet the venue first but of all. Dubai is a fairly wired city then it is it is it definitely um, on that perspective internet's not a problem it's often making sure that there's an uncontested line okay. which means that not everyone if you're in a hotel for instance and streaming mm-hmm. from the Atlantis that you mean that you can have that dedicated line solely right. for the stream right but it just means that from a user perspective it's a lot more smooth because I've seen some um, there's a famous uh, Steve Jobs uh, presentation uh, where all the journalists are on the Wi-Fi, and he's mm. trying to show FaceTime. Do you remember that? Mm. And he can't show it, and he basically is like, he, he's like, all you journalists have to get off the Wi-Fi now, and he's trying to kick them all off in yeah. the live presentation. And so we've seen how like that can go pretty sideways if you if yeah. you can't control the Wi-Fi. Right? It's all about, I think, the doing the due diligence beforehand. So mm-hmm. you, you need, yeah, you have to make sure. And there's ways you can get around that as well. I mean, mm-hmm. if the internet was a problem, I mean, for instance, we've streamed uh, live. Um, for a whiskey brand, so a bit mm-hmm. difficult out here, but back in the UK we streamed for them uh, up in the island of uh, Isla in Scotland, mm. and that was a very remote island in the middle of nowhere, um, no broadband whatsoever, no wide connections, so to do that we had to have a, a satellite truck come on board, hmm. then we could get the direct link out from there, which is often what the TV channels do when you're doing the down the lines anyway, mm, I see. Um, so there's always ways around it. But, okay, but so yeah. you've figured out various ways to sort of problem solve it and, and have it so you can make exactly. it happen. There's always uh, you know interesting things. I think working in Dubai, there's always something that crops up, which is always uh, interesting along the way. But um, <laughs> but yeah, we always uh, manage to, to do too well, so it's all been good. What's hot right now in live streaming in Dubai? Then what are the what are the kind of hottest things going on? Mm, live streaming, I think. 
itself is a fairly new concept. So um, we saw with uh, World Expo 2020 when right. they uh, revealed their latest uh, logo that they mm -hmm. streamed it live to Twitter. Mm -hmm. uh, what we're seeing a lot of at the moment is live streaming to LinkedIn. Uh, we find it's an excellent platform to, to reach that B2B audience. I was um, not even aware you can live stream to LinkedIn. How long yeah. has that been happening? It's been happening, I think, as much as um, it's always been possible. I oh, think um, just not many people do it. Exactly, and okay. I think it's something that's growing a lot. I mean, LinkedIn is still fairly, uh, un I think, not serviced as perhaps as well as it should be out mm -hmm. here. I think there's so much more potential right. that um, communications professionals and brand professionals can get out of and tap into the LinkedIn audience. So let's talk about the Expo 2020 logo launch. Um, what is uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yes, yeah, so the Expo 20 logo launch um, that was really interesting for us because one of the, the key parts of the strategy was that they were streaming the unveiling of the logo uh, straight to Twitter, which is obviously interesting from our point of view. We're keen to be doing a lot more streams, so uh, I think it's really from our perspective it showed that the demand is there, and it's great that World Expo 2020 they're sort of spearheading that a little bit, mm -hmm. and from a sort of from a kind of point of view that I think it's quite interesting the way that they're, they're looking to do it because mm -hmm. the whole connecting minds um, part of their logo is mm -hmm. very much aligned to digital. It's mm -hmm. all about technology and innovation. Right. And Dubai is very proud and always try, quite keen to try new things and push the frontiers a little bit. Mm -hmm. So the streaming was, was very, I think, very important from a regional point of view in showing that you know, Expo 2020, they want to leave a legacy and perhaps it is the, the streaming and it's through the, the digital side of uh, things as well. So uh, we thought it was um, it was great that they streamed through Twitter. I think there's things that perhaps they that could be built on for next time. So doing a lot more in terms of the pre-promotion. Uh, I think there were around about 2,000 people that watched it. Which that, was, was, that was my next question. Which How, is good. What was the impact? So 2,000 people watched the live stream. I think yeah, there's 2,000 people, which I think was was fine. I think that could definitely uh, have been built on uh, in terms of pushing that more through Twitter for the pre-promotion. So getting people to tweet in their questions, having the hashtag. So in other words, if Marketeers was in charge of it, it would have a bigger impact. We definitely like the hose. I think we push it through more, uh, well, more different platforms anyway. So I noticed it was just through Twitter. They I was going to ask you that as well. Us. Why did they not also live stream it through Facebook, for example? Mm. That's totally possible, right? Absolutely. You can always you can simulcast things through mm -hmm. Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook. But also, I think it was important um, to stream through um, the so the media channels as well. So for the likes of. Uh, the National, Gulf News, Arabian Business, that would have been quite interesting content for them. Mm -hmm. and I think crucially one thing that perhaps would have been great for World Expo 2020 for that stream was to have a, an on-demand version of that afterwards. That was my other question. You can, <laughs> that was, I was going to say, is it possible then to access the stream after you're saying, no, you cannot? Uh, you can with that. Uh, you should be able to. Um, I mm -hmm. think with what, what Expo 2020 did, mm -hmm. um, it was just, I think, the stream sort of finished at the end and then they had a, a video sort of wrap up which showing a bit more about the story of the logo, which okay. was, was really interesting. Mm -hmm. um, it would have been great as well, I think, um, for next time as well to have that asset of the Expo 2020 stream available on demand. Right. So whoever missed it or whoever wants to watch it again. It's not accessible it. now, though. It's never, it's gone, basically. As far as I know, I think that stream was a quite immediate one, and then right. um, they've moved on. They've got a lot of content on their site right. to tell people about the launch, but that stream But if they don't finished. sort of um, 
make the effort at the time to archive it, it it's just gone. Exactly. I think okay. that's a, a big, um, you know, it's a big opportunity to do a lot more as uh, on-demand right. is so important. We always find that a lot of our main views come from that version mm -hmm. because that's when people have got more time to view it. Right, exactly. Um, they're not pinpointed to an exact date and time, so there's right. a huge value in on-demand. Right. It's like watching, um, you know, an Apple press conference later on, right? Exactly. <laughs> so. Yeah. And also with time differences, I think that's always good. Um, but there is something really cool and special about watching something as it's happening. And yeah. I think that's kind of the, a big angle of what you're doing, right, mm. of the work you're doing. Yeah, the immediacy angle and the live sort of angle is always exciting. I think, you know, live TV, it's always, it's the same with a broadcaster. A live right. online broadcast is exactly the same. And I think it's always interesting. And um, one thing that uh, with live streaming is you have an opportunity to make the whole stream interactive. So you're actually taking questions in from a live audience at, during the, the broadcast itself. So it's all usually fully moderated, so mm -hmm. you can make sure that the questions from a, a brand point of view are sort of uh, vetted beforehand in the green room. But Just in case, because when you're live, you have all those issues, you know, somebody can, anything can happen, right? Exactly, and I yeah. think from a media point of view as well, it gives right. the, the reassurance that uh, any live content that's been taken has been it's sort of moderated um, mm -hmm. as well beforehand, so they know that the questions that they get are always uh, going to be sort of on message, and um, particularly with lots of government sort of owned uh, media right. out here, we need to, need to be careful. You need to be sense. careful. At the same time, however, the, the, the authenticity factor of live is precisely that you don't quite know what's going to happen. So if you control it too much, it almost defeats the purpose, right? Yeah, exactly. So live is, yeah, you have to get that balance right. right. I think, um, you know, live content as it is, it is exciting and you know, people buy into that because there is always that sort of element that right. what sort of direction can the conversation go in. Right. Right. Uh, that's sort of, I think, the beauty of it. Let's talk about NATS, so N-A-T-S um, and the world in 2050. What's, can you describe a little bit about that campaign? Yeah, so NATS are the National Air Traffic Services. Uh, fairly new to the region, they came out about the same time that, that we did, about two years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, and their big, their big proposition is that they are looking to, in terms of the airspace, they feel there's a big need uh, to manage that air traffic and that, that airspace a little more. Um, so Dubai Airports is now the, the busiest airport in the world. Right. So with so much traffic and so much congestion, so many more flight routes being planned, it's how can you sort of make sure the airspace is managed as efficiently as possible. Uh, and they actually launched a big report um, in September, it's September last year, which is all around the economic case for change. Mm -hmm. So all around how there's a big need and a, a big drive for organisations to to monetize, I think, the, the amount of uh, potential that they can in terms of the airspace. So by in reducing the delay of planes, uh, increasing the turnaround times, so it's mm -hmm. a lot faster. Uh, they felt that could be a, a considerable amount uh, added to the, the economy of Dubai. So and so how do you, what do you do then for NAT specifically from a live streaming perspective? So we streamed um, around the launch of their report. We did a big uh, okay. live stream with uh, so a member from Nats, a member of Oxford Economics who wrote the report, mm -hmm. uh, and also someone from the General Civil Aviation Authority. I see. So we had a panel of three people. Um, we also had a live audience as well, which is mm -hmm. made up of journalists that come along to see the stream firsthand and have right. their one-on-one -on -one interviews with the delegates afterwards. I see. Uh, and we did a 45-minute uh, stream to a number of different sites, including uh, Emirates 24-7, 
uh, capital business, uh, Arabian business, mm -hmm. and also through uh, their Twitter channels. Mm -hmm. So we had people um, tweeting the hashtag uh, ATCME and getting people to send in their questions uh, to the delegates on the panel. Air, air traffic control, is that what that is? That's the one okay. in the Middle East. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, very cool. When they say the world in 2050, what is the vision for that? Is that just about Dubai, is that about Dubai's airport being the number one international airport with optimal efficiency, or what's the vision around that? Yeah, it's a big challenge. I think the world in 2050, and we created a big thought leadership piece with Nats, mm -hmm. uh, building on what they feel um, are the challenges are currently and how we can get to, to where we want to be in world 2050 in terms of efficiency. I think Dubai is very much as, as the central hub and it's a gateway to the Middle East, it's, it's oh, sorry, to the East, it's a, a big gateway in terms of um, you know, tourism uh, and business travel as well. So it was basically how we did a big uh, piece for them uh, all around how we can really sort of embrace where we are in the region. Uh, and look to capitalize on the fact that you know we have got the busiest airport in the world now and how we can basically work with uh, sort of different uh, sort of government and policy makers to make sure the airport and the air traffic management uh, is managed as efficiently as possible. Mm -hmm. So we can cater for this growing demand, this very mobile population. Mm -hmm. So it's quite a, an interesting piece and we did it through a lot of statistics mm -hmm. uh, which were flashed up on screen through a video a uh, series of different interviews. Uh, we also interviewed the CEO of um, Dubai Tourism uh, about the growth of tourism in the region and how that impacts on some population figures and movement. Uh, and then we went from there, but it was a, a nice little piece anyway. It summarized it all quite well. Part of my goal for this podcast is that it should be like a resource for Dubai-based uh, professionals like yourself, academics, students, but people that want to know about the world of digital and technology in the city and in the region. Um, to that end, <clears throat> what are some, some of the resources that you look at to stay plugged in? Because obviously from uh, you get, I get the impression that you don't really know what's going on. The Nationals are a great, great one. Um, always quite interesting. I, I mm -hmm. like the format of how they lay it out on the site. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes it's quite user-friendly. I find some of the websites uh, less sort of easy for me to, to pick up things. Um, but then I also think, um, you know, I think Arabian business is great because it always seems to be, have quite a, it's got a very intelligent approach. And I think how it, it breaks its stories very quick, it's very analytical. The journalists are very diligent when they right. speak to people. And I think golf business is, um, is a great one as well. It's quite similar in its approach. Um, and you have the, the print publication as well as the, the online. So there's always uh, some interesting uh, aspects there, and I think the journalists there are, uh, are great. But I think also, I mean, from just a general sort of knowing, knowing what's going on in Dubai, um, seven days uh, mm -hmm. is good as well. I, um, the, the team there are always looking to, to create interesting content, and they're also always quite um, keen on the video side as well. Uh, anything on the kind of how-to side, uh, I know the sports team as well, um, they're quite uh, keen on that sort of content. Yeah, I saw them... Um had a pr they had a fairly big presence at uh, du the Dubai Sevens, right? Mm -hmm. In terms of the sports angle, for example, what are you guys doing in that regard? With that, in yeah. that regard, so sports angle, we do. Um, we have a big team globally. We look after uh, Adidas uh, on a global scale, so we do a lot of social video content for mm -hmm. Adidas. Um, we also launched uh, the new Manchester United uh, kit uh, through a series of social videos, mm -hmm. and I think. 
that's interesting itself. I know Instagram's now at 60 seconds in terms of the video content that you can put out. So, so it went from 15 evolving. to 60, is that what it was? Because yeah, it was 15, right. right. So that's a good, I think that's a good opportunity for brand marketers because now suddenly you can say a lot more um, within a bit of a longer period of time. So that's very uh, exciting on that front. Uh, locally, um, locally, right? Yeah. You have an initiative around cricket, correct? That's right. So we um, we worked with the Masters Champions League uh, recently, which was all around the, the launch of this this big T uh, Twenty cricket tournament for retired cricket mm -hmm. players. Mm -hmm. um, that was a really exciting one because we were working with the likes of Brian Lara, uh, Wasim Akram, and they all came to Dubai to to launch this this new initiative. Uh, we were on board, our brief was to secure um, global media relations, so they mm. wanted to be uh, on the likes of uh, Sky Sports News, uh, Fox News, uh, Eurosports. Um, so our approach to that was that we, um, we worked with the, the celebrities when they came uh, down to Dubai. <coughs> we did a bit of a mock-up of a, a cricket uh, match taking place on the beach outside mm -hmm. the Burj Al Arab. Yes. Uh, then we edited together some B-roll. Got that out literally, uh, I think, within two hours of the content being filmed. So we know that because it's news, we need to get it get out, it out the fast. door. And um, we worked with some BBC-trained cameramen that are very much quite astute in the fact that um, in terms of the immediacy and the news angle of things. And how did it go? Uh, yeah, it went well, actually. We had um, some really nice pick-up from likes of Sky Sports News, uh, all the sort of different broadcast channels and online channels as well because we had some South African players. So mm -hmm. the likes of SA Cricket Online um, were quite keen on the content. Uh, Seven Days uh, were keen as well. So... And that video, and we we produced um, a more kind of standalone video as well, which had a bit more about the press conference, which was good from a sort of client perspective because we were sort of ticking off all their key messages. And that was another asset that then we sold in afterwards. And again, that on-demand version that we have, it's continuing to be played out. So I see. It's a lot of value. Well, where is it? Where is it playing? Uh, through YouTube at the YouTube, moment, okay. and also um, we we have the we, a lot of uh, the press covered that initially as mm -hmm. well. So that sort of content is still uh, on their site, but just further down now. Is that on your YouTube channel? Uh, we have it. We uploaded it to the Masters Champions League channel, I see. so we can drive content to the website. What is the future like for marketeers? What are your What are your initiatives you're looking at, and how do you see the roadmap ahead? Yeah, well, I think I mean, in terms of our offering, we focus purely on broadcast. So. For, I think we differ from PR agencies in that we don't touch print, so it means that we can work with PR agencies and direct clients as well. Uh, our kind of unique selling point is the live streaming, I feel, and I think you know our ambition and ultimate goal would be to work with World uh, Expo 2020 and right. to become their official streaming partner. Um, I think yeah, live streaming is an exciting sort of space for us, and it's you know, something we're doing a lot, a lot more of, and we're seeing. Uh, all the appetite for media and for clients alike. So it's a definitely an interesting time, and yeah, that's what we hope to be. I think you're positioned in the right, <clears throat> the right place because as the Wi-Fi connectivity, the infrastructure increases, as mobile devices get better, as the web, as as the web, uh, sorry, as the video streaming services improve, mm -hmm. you're going to only it's only going to become more and more possible, right, and more and more sort of efficient, right? I think so, and I think the fact that smartphone proliferation out here is so right. huge. I mean, I think the average number of handsets people have is now two per person. Right. Um, so I think reviewing via mobile, it is, it, there's a huge opportunity there. Absolutely. Um, and the fact that social media continues to grow, um, LinkedIn, Twitter now, um, and through streaming through Periscope and Facebook, mm -hmm. um, it's quite exciting, and I think as well, 
fact that YouTube's still the number one platform for viewing content in the region, it means that getting to your audiences in different methods, I think live streaming is a great way to do that. <laughs>